Well, welcome, friends, to Halfway There. This is the show where we... Uh, oh, I can't believe I screwed that up. I've never done this 130 times. I'll try it again. Welcome, friends, to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for being with us today, for downloading. If you enjoy the show and you haven't gone out to Apple Podcasts and left us a rating or review... We'd appreciate that. And if you haven't uh, signed up to get the uh, the my ebook, free ebook, What to Do When You're Mad at God, you should go and do that at halfwaytherepodcast.com as well. Today, our uh, guest is she's the co founder and CEO of the Be Friendly Network. And uh, she's going to tell us all about that. She is Christy Kennedy. Christy, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you so much. I appreciate the honor to be on your program today, Eric. I'm excited to have a chance to chat with you again. You and I met at New Media Summit, which by now my uh, audience is well familiar with because they've talked to a lot of people I met there, heard heard, listened to their stories. But uh, tell us a little bit about you and kind of where God has you right now. Yeah, so I... Uh, co-founded Be Friendly Network with my oldest daughter, actually, several years ago. And Be Friendly is a digital program that helps kids recognize, prevent, and recover from bullying before it's too late. And so what we do is we equip both parents and children, as well as elementary schools, uh, with programs that are foundational. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, you know, bullying is such an interesting um situation or issue right now. And it's something that we're all kind of aware of and really needs something like that to, to a program to engage and get people, uh, thinking about and preventing. Yeah, absolutely. I literally just yesterday had a, um, somebody who volunteers for us shoot off a message to me about another nine-year-old who just committed suicide. She had been being bullied in her school. Her mom went to the school and after many months, they actually transferred schools and then the bullying followed her and nine years old and being told you should just kill yourself. You should just kill yourself. And heartbreakingly, her mom came home uh, two days ago to find her hanging. Oh man. And this just has to stop. Yeah, absolutely. What I don't understand is how like even like, it just seems like it's gotten more vicious and so I don't know I don't know if that's just because of the availability of, you know, more content that's never been available before cuz you know, when I was in school, junior high was rough for me. Um nothing like that, but uh you know, I totally I that those weren't the kind of things that people would say. You know what I mean? There was exactly. there was stuff, but it's that just seems so much more vicious. It it is. It's gotten it's gotten increasingly worse. I think year after year and generation after generation, and then now with our media um, ability and and I think technology is awesome and great, and I I love it because there's so many good things we can do like this right now. But I think what happens is it also can be a vice where people don't have that same um, face-to-face confrontation with somebody. And so they have so much more empowerment to speak very, Mm. very, very um, life-threatening things across a screen or across, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's ways that we speak to each other online that we don't necessarily speak that that way in person. I can see that as a as a big issue as well. Wow, I have often said that I am so glad Facebook did not exist when I was a kid. Yeah. And that kind of reinforces Yeah, I think we that. even talked about this when we I think we did, yeah. Talked. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's like what I tell people our age is, you know, think back to when you were going to school and an embarrassing moment that happened to you. And you know, we all have them, right? They pop yeah. right to your mind because they were emotionally traumatizing for us in that moment. But now imagine if that had been videotaped and that went viral. And so when I meet you, I Google you and up pops that embarrassing video. It's no longer a memory. This is what kids wow. deal with for the rest of their lives. Everything that's captured, everything that's pushed out, things that go viral, even even viral just around their classmates and stuff. That's that's there. And it, it follows them home 24-7. They go for a job interview. You know, what do, what are the employers do? They, they look you up. Yeah. It, it follows them when they're trying to go on a first date or or, you know, apply for college. It's it's just like it's totally different. It's a whole new atmosphere that we've never encountered. Yeah, definitely. And it'll take some new strategies for sure. So I, I really appreciate yeah. what you're doing. I'm sure we'll get back to that and we'll talk about how God has led you to this place. But I want to talk about your story and hear all about um, all about that. So I don't know really anything about you. So tell me, where'd you grow up? Where, where are you from? Yeah, I grew up in uh, actually in outside of Detroit, okay, Michigan. Yeah. What and was what was it like growing up in Detroit? What was the atmosphere like there? Um, well, I was in a suburb and I worked in Detroit, so very. Um, you know, we're in, in the Dallas area now, and I love it here because it's very multicultural. Um, growing up in a suburb of Detroit, it was, you know, in the era where there became more and more segregation. Mm. And so you saw that and you felt it. And it to me, that was that's really tough. You know, it, it's it's tough as a kid to sense that people are different and because they're different there's good and bad and right and wrong and all of that instead of just differences. And and we're all supposed to be different. We're all supposed to, you know, we all have our uniqueness. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, how did that shape you? Um, I think for me, it shaped me of, of wanting to do the polar opposite and, and not, I think that's why I love where I am now. Um, because it is very multicultural. We have just within my own block, I think we have in my immediate neighbors four, no, six, six, seven different cultures all surrounding us. And I, I just, I like that because it, um, you know, from God's perspective to me, he created all of us. Yeah. And, and there's a uniqueness and, and we all are from different areas and we can learn so much from each other. And I just, I think there needs to be more of that and less of, oh, you're not just like me. So therefore you're wrong. I'm right. My way's right. Your way's wrong. Yeah, totally. A lot of judgment out there in the world. I think that's happening more and more, hopefully that we're starting to realize different is okay. And it yeah. used to be, well, everybody should just should be like us. I think maybe that's just maturity on on my end, but I'm hoping that it's more more out there in the world. Um, so 
And what was it, so growing up? What was what was it like religiously for you spiritually? What was the what was that like? Yeah, I grew up as a churchgoer. Okay. And so, if you would have asked me all growing up, are you a Christian? Yes, you know, I checked the Christian box. Um, and my family and I, my parents served in the church and belonged to youth groups and things like that. But interestingly enough, from as long as I can remember talking, like three, four years old, um, I incessantly asked everybody in and outside of the church one particular question because it troubled me so much. And that was, if you die, how do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And I remember growing up and just like being extremely concerned and worried about that preoccupied me Wow! incessantly. What, what, what was it about that question that bothered you? You probably heard a sermon or something. You know, I, I can't even pinpoint what I heard. I just remember always, always yeah. asking that question everywhere I went. So I don't know where it materialized, but I know I had a lot of fear, what, fear what? about dying and fear about, I think, gotcha. well, what's going to happen to you? my family when they die. Like, will I see my family again? And that's really what, what started it for me as a youngster, but all the way through college, um, in college, you know, you start in the dorms, you have those late night, wee hours, Mm -hmm. philosophical (laughs) discussions and all of that. And, and so that was always my big question. And never in all those years, did anybody ever give me a conclusive answer? It was hope and, you know, all these, all these different things, even in the church that I grew oh, up wow. in. Wow. Do you mind if I ask what denomination you grew up in or like what the... Yeah, it was a, a Presbyterian USA. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's interesting. So generally, you know, maybe were they, were they more Calvinist or were they more kind of on the, on the liberal? I don't know what... You know, as a kid, I'm not you sure have I known. could yeah. D- yeah, discern which it was, but in, were they in like, you know... I'm not. I'm not saying the pastor might have preached about the yeah. answer to my question, but for whatever reason, I didn't hear it. And the the workers, you know, volunteers, teachers that I had, um, never gave me a conclusive answer when I asked. So maybe they didn't know. Yeah, which that's really interesting. Okay, so mm-hmm. you grew up in church, considered yourself a Christian, and yet didn't have this kind of you had this kind of big question about the afterlife at least. Right. Big question. A lot of fear. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of fear. Okay. Well, how did that resolve? So when did you like feel like you gave your life to Christ? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, we had, uh, temporarily moved down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida and visited a large church down there. And, um, it's probably what they consider a mega church here now. And, uh, Interestingly enough, about a week or so after we visited, I got a call from the pastor's wife about coming to visit us, um, which I was used to that where I grew up with small churches, but with this huge mega church, I was pretty shocked. I thought, wow. And, you know, I had looked up to this pastor because he was on uh, an evangelist on television and everything. So, so that was a big deal. And what I didn't know at the time um, was uh, it was past Dr. G. James Kennedy was the pastor oh, and wow. he had written a book called, um, evangelism explosion or EE for yeah. short. Yeah. Kind Are of a familiar? big deal. Oh yeah, totally. That's yeah. That's a pretty so, famous book. 
Pardon me? That's a famous book. Yes, very famous um, in every country. And basically, if you're not familiar with it, it's it's a book that he wrote so that lay people, people you know, just like us, could have a real easy, systematic way to be able to share the gospel with other people. And so that phone call from his wife, Anne, was actually to set an EE appointment, but I didn't know that. You know, it was it, it was to set a, a appointment to get to know us. Um, but it was the first visit of the EE process. And so at that, um, when they came, her and a couple others from the church, when they came to visit me um, and asked those two diagnostic questions, and the first one is, if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure you would go to heaven? And I said, you know, I've been asking that question to everyone. Wow. <laughs> Somebody else is asking the same question as me. And so for me, I was like, wow. Like I, and so I shared how I've been asking all through college and, you know, all the data I had collected on people's answers to that question, you know, you can hope and try to do good and be all, all that. And so then the second question was, well, if you were to die and stand before God in heaven and he says, why should I let you in? What would you say? And so I said all the things I had gathered data on um, from my question asking days and, and reading the Bible. I mean, I started reading the Bible, but I started in Genesis and I would only get so far through Le- like Leviticus and then yeah. I drain out and then I'd start over again in Genesis one day. So that's kind of was my cycle. <coughs> Excuse me. And and so, you know, I said the hope, I hope in me and all of that, um, that I'd be good enough for, for God to let me into heaven. So then she then said, well, did you know that the Bible tells you for sure exactly how to get into heaven? And I was just like, you're kidding me. Where? And so <laughs> for me, it was like, I think I, I was 24 and here I had gone basically 20 years of my life asking this question. And I finally, after 20 years, somebody was going to give me the answer and show me it in the Bible. So it was absolutely transformational. And, you know, she took me through the scriptures, which was exactly the EE process, and then prayed and accepted Christ. And it was phenomenal, life-changing. Wow. Wow. So that's amazing. That's really like, so you've had this question and then they got, I love the way that God just used that. Right. Like he had, it's almost as if he had planted that question in your heart, right. In your, in your mind. And it was kind of just Mm -hmm. burning there until she was able to just fan that into flame using what was a common question, evangelistic topic. And you'd never run into that before. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. And so both her and Dr. Kennedy, and it took me under their wing and became my spiritual parents. And and exactly, it's busy and and famous and everything as they are. I mean, you wouldn't have known that they wow. they just became my spiritual parents and discipled me and became like grandparents to my kids. And wow, yeah. Christy, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Like you don't you know, not everybody gets to be mentored by somebody of that caliber. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What, what's something yeah. that you you remember that, that they taught you that kind of has stayed with you or really shaped your kind of understanding of God? Wow. There's so much. <laughs> um, I'd say I'd say the biggest thing is, to me, Dr. Kennedy was such an example of Christ 
in so many ways that like anytime we would go out, you know, for dinner or lunch or something, anywhere we ever went, there wasn't a person that crossed our path. If it was the waiter, the waitress, the hostess, the busboy, who he didn't have a conversation with about the Lord, mm. but he didn't never did it in an uncomfortable way, you know, not like not uncomfortable at all, but just asking a few questions and truly getting to know the person. And I think that's that was a, a big, it wasn't just what what he taught, but it was the way he acted. He he walked out his faith, truly loving people like Jesus did, and then truly caring about their heart and their soul and whether they knew the Lord and were going to go to heaven or not. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Wow. So that's a really, that's a pretty powerful um, just connection and example to have early in your in your walk. Not everybody has that. So that, that definitely will shape you and what you expect from the spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how, did, how do you think that changed your expectations? Um, my expectations in... Of, of what Christ-likeness what was. I'm sorry. Of what of what Christ likeness or what what the mm. so I'm I'm really I'm so I'll tell you where this is coming from for me. Like I think one of the problems that evangelicalism has is that we expect spiritual maturity to be one thing, and it actually mm-hmm. is a different thing. And so what I hear you describing in in G. James Kennedy and Anne is is the um, is really just love for other people. Care, yes. care and concern for other people, which I think is yes. the definition of Christ-likeness, of, of maturity. Yes. Uh, so if that's true, you know, but most of us tend to define it in most churches, it's how much you know and how much you do, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. So, so that, it definitely sort yeah. of shaped you. Did that send you in a particular direction or that expectation? I think what it did is, like in my heart, I loved people. Mm. And so, um, kind of like I had never thought about this until just this moment, but your question about where did I grow up and how did that impact me being, you know, outside of Detroit and, and just sensing this influx of segregation. Um, and it, it, it turned me off, you know, I didn't like it. And so I think because I just had such a love for all people, um, that then fast forwarding to the example they set and, and learning more of God's word, it was the love of Christ and how he loves all people. And that to me has been like super impacting and super a driver in my life. Mm. You know, um, life hasn't been easy. It's actually been way, a lot more challenging circumstances um, kind of out of my control happened after I was saved yeah. um, to before. But here's the thing I know is those things probably would have happened irregardless, right? A lot of it is is just circumstance, fallen world, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, you know, decisions that you make, decisions other people make, all those things just kind of make life happen, right? But the difference is, is being able to walk through it with a God that loves you and cares for you and is your everything, your provision, your protection, you know, your father, 
your wisdom and and having that relationship with Christ where you can pray and and seek all those things and have peace in the midst of storms to me constantly I would just I would I would write Ann <laughs> notes all the time and then we transition to emailing when that was invented yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm dating myself right um, but just just so much gratitude I've had for them because I can't fathom walking through what I've walked through without the Lord in my life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's a great setup. That's a great kind of just foundation for what your Christian life kind of was, was founded on and what, and what you, what you thought. So take us into like, what did you do? So you were at, this is when you were at, were you in college then? Or was that when no, I no, was, I was out. I had um, just had my first baby. Okay. So, and I have five children. So it was the start of many yeah. kids. Yeah, which is a fun time yes. having having a young family. So tell me, okay, so take us into the like what happened next? How 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 you were shaped? Well, you know, I think one thing that really stands out to me about the Kennedys and Anne especially because she was truly the one that mentored me a lot, um, brought me into, um, being a prayer partner through the EE program was the first encounter I had inviting me to church, inviting me first to dinner and lunch and just getting to know me. And, and yet through all those stages, um, even being her prayer partner, I had never prayed with anyone and I was super insecure and afraid. She never talked churchy. She didn't even ask, okay, I'm praying. Now it's your turn to pray. Never put me on the spot. I never felt, I never felt embarrassed. I never felt, you know, she, in her notes to me and everything, there wasn't, oh, I'm so glad you're saved. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. And and not that that's wrong. That's, I mean, I talk like that right now, but not to a brand new believer. Yeah. You know, it's like she met me where I was and I never felt like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know this, this language of love from God right now. So she just really met me where I was and then, and then helped me through it. And, and yet didn't do it in a way that ever made me feel less of a person or less of a Christian or anything. And that, that was really the start of my journey and, and it, I think it helped me grow because just the way she approached mentoring me. Yeah. Well, it sounds very accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is one of the, one, one of my big problems with churchies, right? Is the Christianese, all this, uh, some of the jargon that we use that people, we just, we don't even think about it sometimes, which right. I think is very interesting. And sometimes the things we say, if you really listen to them, I go, what? What are you talking about, man? (laughs) Well, you know, it reminds me of, so we have a, um, you know, the school program I mentioned, and it's all digital and technology and all this. And we started pitching about a year ago to investors. And I learned real quickly in studying how to pitch and and what to say is to leave all the jargon out. Just speak in straight language. You know, Steve Jobs was the master at not telling you all the jargon that they probably talked in, the language they talked in behind closed doors at Apple. But when he would present new product, he talked in language that we all 
connected with. Right. And I think that's key, you know, in whichever, <laughs> what you're saying, you know, totally. we, we just don't think about it. And it was the same thing. I didn't think about it either. But when I had people um, coaching me with pitching, they're like, yeah, get rid of all that technical jargon. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So you were doing that. You were doing the, uh, working as a, as a prayer partner. Is that what you said? Like, do, yeah, she brought that? me on as a prayer partner and then I started going through the EE program. Cool. Where'd that mm-hmm. lead you? Um, well, we actually ended up moving, uh, somewhere in that process. So I gathered all that myself and then they had kids EE. And, and by that time I had five children, growing family yeah. and, um, ended up homeschooling, um, in that season. And so I started a kids EE and started teaching my kids and other kids that as part of our, you know, one of the supplement programs with our, our schooling. And it was just such a joy to see all these children learning how to share their faith with others. And then bringing all my kids to Christ too, is really exciting. And yeah. my family, friends, I mean, I was, um, you know, as they say, we're talking about <laughs> Christianese. I was on fire for Christ, which yeah. meant I was super excited yeah. that I no longer had to be fearful. And I knew for sure how I'd go to heaven. And I wanted everybody I knew to know what I did and to experience that joy and that peace that I had. Yeah. And it sounds like you had some fruit with that as well, at least with your own kids and then other people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We started, a, I was a dancer. Dance had been my God, ballet. Um, that was kind of where I went to lose myself, if you will, when, when life was hard, I'd go dance, you know, and stuff. And, um, and so I thought I had to give that up initially because I became a Christian and I didn't understand like something else I had kind of in a way made my God, my, my safe place. Um, I, I took a break on dancing and then, found out about dance ministry and then started a big ballet ministry and it moved to three different States. So, yeah. So that was pretty exciting. That is pretty exciting. You're kind of an entrepreneur. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You start things. Yes. And it's exciting. I just got a call yesterday. The uh, light ballet it's called back in Michigan is still going on. Uh, from one of my students who was a student in it, she, when I moved, she continued, she called me, asked, could I keep going with this? And they're still doing it. And they minister to um, convalescent homes and senior homes and oh, cool. friends and family. It's exciting. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think no matter what your gift or talent is, you can use it in some way uh, for the Lord. Yeah. So I love that. Okay. Well, have you ever had a time when you felt like God was far away or distant or, you know, what we sometimes call the dark night of the soul, if you want to use that sort of spiritual uh, formation language. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think there were times, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of dark times um, in the last 20 years. Uh, a lot of difficulties, like I mentioned, I, I've gone through a lot of difficulties in life um, in this season. And so there were a lot of dark times what I started to find a pattern of is when I was really going through the darkest depths um, and doing this program to combat bullying and suicide, there are times when when I feel like I've been so under attack with darkness and suicide too. And what I what I'm recognizing is that's when God's always right there 
It's just when I'm, I'm kind of going off on my own Mm. and I just have to come back. Like he doesn't, he doesn't ever leave, but I, I feel like the enemy will come in and and make me think I'm all alone and nothing's ever going to change or everything's always going to be hard or, you know, whatever all those lies are that are going on, you know, those insecurities and fears, um, you just kind of feel alone. But, but the minute I get back into reading God's word and praying, it's like, bam, we're close again. Yeah. Isolation is definitely the devil's tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you say that too, because it just makes me think about, I've been reading a lot lately on how connected we are through like social media and stuff. And yet um, researchers are finding that we are also at the same time that we're so connected, we're more isolated than ever. Yeah. It's interesting. It's I think that's because it's easier to hide. You can, you can put the stuff you want out there yeah. on social media. And so it nurtures that behavior. Um, and which maybe is one of the problems with, you know, when somebody posts something about you that you don't want out there. Right. Right. It's, exactly. uh, yeah. it's much harder. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, so bring us up to kind of today, like some of some of the recent, the big events in your in your walk, like what some things that have shaped you, and uh, bring us up to kind of where you started the Be Friendly Network. Yeah. So um, we were. Um, I became a what's been termed a widow by circumstance about a decade ago, just over. And so I was, you know, alone with five kids and had quite a journey navigating that. Um, And so I'd say, you know, that journey through that, one of the biggest things that impacted me in my walk was investing in your children with faith and the word of God and having them, um, you know, learn God's word and and memorize scripture and all of that. It's crazy how they can be very young, but you can be walking through quite a challenge and get inspired by their faith. Yeah. And we literally had some supernatural things happen. I'm telling you, it's just crazy. I'm I'm always in awe. One day I'll write a book on it. Um, But like there were times where there was no food, literally no food in the fridge. And, uh, at one point, um, a job I had, you know, just things that ended. So there was like no money renting a house, open the fridge. And there was like a box of baking soda in there. And I thought, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to feed my children. And I get a call from the church that we were going to. And she's like, Christy, can you get down here quick with your van? And I'm like, yeah, what's, what's the matter? Cause that's the thing we always served in church no matter what. And, and I'd say that's another really big thing mm. that, that the, the Kennedys impacted me with. And, and we just carried out because that's, that was our example. And our heart is like, no matter how bad things are and how much is going on in your life, you can always give to somebody. And there were widows on our street one time that didn't have a place to go for Christmas. So they came to our house. You know, there's just, there's always something you have to give. Anyway, so I get this call and we drive down. She's like, yeah, this truck broke down. And they asked me to call everybody that I could think of that might live nearby. It's a food truck. And he's got to unload it right now. 
that it was a freezer truck and the freezer broke down in Texas in the summer. Not a good thing to have happen. So we go up there and he's pallets of ice cream bars. Well, my kids were thrilled, especially (laughs) my little boys. They're like, we've got food and it's ice cream bars. (laughs) And I just, so we bring back all these ice cream bars and we just jam our freezer. We jammed our next door neighbor's freezer and I thought, well, Lord, this is awesome. Ice cream bars, you know, what about like nutrition? And right. and the Lord kept taking me back to don't don't complain about the manna. And so, but I have one of my sons is extremely entrepreneurial. He's a wee little boy. And he, next thing I know, I look out the window and him and his brother had a cooler with a sign. We lived on a little bit of a busier street. They sold $30 worth of ice cream cream bars in a few hours and he comes in with $30 he says we have money for food and oh, wow. and so we went grocery shopping so so that was just one thing and what's cool is is we're just so grateful we just you know praising God for everything and the way he would provide and um and, and we had some health situations that kind of put us in that situation at that moment well two weeks later get a call again another truck breaks down wow this time it was Greek yogurt, <laughs> Chopin yogurt. So we loaded up with yogurt. And so then we had yogurt. And this was, you know, that was quite a step up because you have protein and dairy and all that. <laughs> right. And then um, so we were just so grateful and, and everything. And we learned how to freeze yogurt. You could you can eat it all different ways. And, um, and so then two weeks later, I get another call. Another truck breaks down. Literally, it was two weeks apart. And this truck, we go, and it had whole chickens. Wow. Whole chickens. And um, so we we loaded up with whole chickens then. Yeah. And you can do a lot with a, with whole chicken. Yes, yeah. you can. So <laughs> we've just really, we've seen the hand of God do so many amazing things like that, like provide exactly what you need in ways that you'd say there's no way but there's always a way with God. Yeah. What did that do for your trust in him? Incredibly increased it every single time. Yeah. Well, and I can imagine that it was probably exponential from one uh, experience to the next, right? Like it's one thing, this is what I love about God. I love how he does this. It's one thing if it's like one event and you're like, okay, right. right that's good. But three trucks breaking down and you getting the call, like it, it within a matter of weeks, Yes. That's not a coincidence. That's that's God's providing for you in a very specific way and right. and he's asking you to to receive it and uh just trust him. Right. Right. Cuz I mean these were big semi trucks yeah. driving down the wow. expressway. I'll end up at the same place. Yeah, I imagine you needed it. You you don't have to share the story and it's it's okay, but it sounds like you probably there was some sort of tragedy that that happened and put you in that situation. Yeah. And uh yeah. and so God God was present in that in that time. Right. Yeah, we were going through some some real serious health issues um that uh preempted then a, a job change. And so we were kind of in that in between and um it it just you know, you don't plan on those tragedies, but when you're living paycheck to paycheck with five kids, um you know, you don't have a lot of surplus. Totally. Wow. Okay. Well, take us up to how you and why you founded Be Friendly 
and yeah. uh, and tell us a little bit about them. Yeah. So when I was in, when I started kindergarten, I learned about bullying really quickly, and I was bullied right from the get go. Um, being called fat, dumb, and ugly, and nobody likes you, and go home, and all of that. Um, and I was already super insecure and afraid to go to school to start with. So that that just added fuel to the to the fear. Um, and so that was my whole elementary, junior high. By the time I got to high school, you know, I think what we do is we learn to just stuff those things down, um, mm-hmm. at least when it's not all over social media, like we were talking about, you know, those are memories and thoughts and everything. But but those thoughts become the filter that you filter life through and you filter decision making through. So I had a really, really low self-image and um, and I wasn't fat and uh, I wasn't dumb. I was, you know, I mean, I was a pretty A-B student um, and uh, and, I, I, you know, ugly is perceptive, I guess. But but, you know, I believed all those things that weren't necessarily true but they became my truth yeah because of what other people were saying right and so that impacted the decisions I made and and you know I made a decision um, to marry somebody who was kind of instilling that you know continuing to instill that in me and it got really really bad when we had children and and so then you know go through that journey and so when we, the, my children and I were first on our own. This whole idea just kind of came as a download one day when I was praying and, and, and stuff to be able to help. One of my kids had, um, severe autism for a while and a whole nother story, but he, we did a lot of intervention and he, he lost the recovery, but still I, I knew what it was like to have a special needs child and to, to see, talk about incessant bullying and challenges because of those differences. So that's how we started Be Friendly. We thought it would be a way to really help mainstream, typical, and um, special needs children, um, which it does help. But then uh, as we were expanding it and doing R&D on it, uh, bullying became the consistent thing that they're like, oh, this will help with bullying. Good. We, we need this. We need this. And because I wasn't a part of the public school a whole lot in that season, I I didn't have any idea how much it was getting worse. So we just, we, for, for me, if we were going to do this, I wanted to make sure that it actually had outcomes, you know, that we did what we said we were going to do and, and help change lives. And um, so we became evidence-based, certified outcomes, did tons of R&D, and developed what we have today, which is, is the program. It's based on character, leadership, communication, and social-emotional intelligence for bully prevention. And it's just been a journey over the last several years of piloting and, and testing it. But, but today, it's, it's just been amazing now what it's doing. Yeah, that's really cool. Share with us some of the results that that you're seeing. Like, uh, do you have any specific stories about? Oh yeah, what's so many. Um, so, well, there's lots of data um, because we because we're certified. We we collect a lot of data, so we've seen just amazing increases in positive school cultures and uh, reduced bullying and kindness increases in friendships and communication and all of that. But some specific stories like. The whole program's digital so that it can conform to, to any 
situation needed, any school's culture. Um, and, and actually, this is what's come out of some of these stories. So we had resources for parents and stuff. And we were interviewing parents at one of our pilot schools. And it was a really rough area, very low socioeconomic situation with these families. And a lot of the um, parents had been incarcerated of these children. And so um, one particular dad had, um, we believe he had just recently gotten out of prison. And, and so we were asking all the parents and he says, oh, be friendly. I don't know what you are, but are you that, you're talking about the black and yellow thing? And we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's us. <laughs> and because everything's branded black and yellow with yeah. the B puns. And uh, he says, yeah, I don't know too much. He says, but like, yeah, I got two girls. And what do you say to girls? You know, I mean, I don't know what to say to girls. And and he says, so, yeah, like, I don't really do anything with your program. But they brought they brought their cards home. He says, you know what cards I mean? Um, I just read them at night to them. And and he says, you know, they say you're valuable. You're worthy. I believe in you. You matter. Your life matters. Um, wow. you have purpose. And, and, and he just rattled off these like 15 to 18 life affirming words that are part of that, that one little tangible part of the program. And his wife was standing behind him and just started streaming tears. And she whispered to me, it's transformed our home wow. because he's speaking such encouraging life giving words into his daughter's lives. And, and for, for dad's, like, I think that's been a big thing as a mom to recognize, you know, I'm growing up as a Christian, as a mom who would do anything for her kids and just, you know, you, you're, you're trying to learn and grow as a parent and, and be a good parent. And yet, as much as you try, it's so easy to forget to affirm. Yeah. But the minute somebody runs through with muddy feet, right, you got to correct that. Right. Or they're noisy, you got to correct that. But if they're doing what they should be doing and everything's calm and quiet, so often we forget to acknowledge that. And so just that one little thing to me was just pivotal for this family. And it's changed his daughters. And yeah. that's just that's just one. Um, yeah, isn't, isn't it interesting, too? They say that uh, it takes far more... Uh, positive affirmations to undo a, a bad one, right? And I right. I struggle with that a lot with my kids. We have two young boys, and they're they're good boys most of the so sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, but they're they're good kids mostly. And uh, they, but you know what? It's I feel like a lot of times I'm just trying to get them to stop doing something, right? It does it right. all day long. I'm like, just don't do that. Right. And uh, I want to have a lot more positive impact on them. So, like yeah. that, I can see where something like that, those cards would be would be good. Um, yeah, they they've been amazing. We had um, one other um, dad told us that he his daughter was older and struggling in like middle school, early high school, and so he got some decks of those cards. And you know, it's like not the cool time. To do a lot, right? Yeah. When you're going through that kind of teenage um, season, and yet she was really dealing with a lot of bullying and a lot of a lot of challenges, and so he would just pull those, and he'd have himself and and um, his sons sign them and just stick them stick them in her her purse and her wallet and her lunch, and so she was just constantly getting them, and did, she didn't talk a lot, but in her room. 
he would see them like being like stuck in her mirror and, and, and he knew. And so then, um, this was like a few years ago, she's older now. Anyways. Yeah. She's talked about like when she couldn't talk, like those words spoke to her, Mm. like that her dad or her brothers, like they would just, they would be there. And so I think sometimes it's hard to find the words. That's why communication is one of the pillars, one of the the modules we go through. It's hard to find the words to to express those affirmations. It's also hard that, hard to find the words to communicate, you know, what bullying or what a situation is really causing. Like I feel bad. Well, maybe maybe it's not bad. Maybe you feel rejected or maybe you feel isolated. You know, and and that really has a deeper meaning to it than I feel bad. Yeah, totally. And sometimes you have to just ask a few more questions. Right. That's part of what we we teach through that. So what came out of those things with parents was we want more. We want more. We don't just want a few resources with the school program. So about a year ago, we developed Be Friendly Family. It's a Netflix-like program for parents and kids to have 24-7, works on any device, just like a Netflix would. And, um, and yeah, we, have, we brought all of that, plus we have licensed professional counselors as part of it, and they are answering those most pressing questions that come up for parents, especially parents walking through situations of, I know something's going on, but I can't get my child to talk to me, or what do I do if I think my child might be suicidal? all these kinds of things. So all that's part of Be Friendly Family. And uh, we've actually just launched it full force um, this week. Oh, cool. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah, I'm looking at uh, the Be Friendly website. So it's just BeFriendly.com, right? Mm-hmm. And, actually, if you go to BeFriendlyFamily.com, okay. there's tons of resources for the family program. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, friends, you can go and check that out as well. Um, yeah. Chris- and, and it's B as in the Bumblebee, B-E-E, friendly yes. family. Yeah, B friendly. So the your logo and everything is uh, is this, this fun little B that's, uh, that's helping you out. Yeah, we do a lot with B puns. It's all based on a football <laughs> analogy. So we have like, we have NFL players, we've Guinness World Record Breaker, we dance, it's, it's Disney style. It's pretty cool. Wow, really A lot cool. of amazing people involved. Yeah, yeah. Friends, I hope that uh, if this is something that would be right for you or your family or your school, even, uh, you go out to uh, Christy's website and check that out. I'll put links in the show notes at halfwaytherepodcast.com for sure. So, you can always go there if you can't remember, but how, how can you not remember something as fun as be friendly? So uh, that's cool. Well, uh, Christy, anything you want to leave us with uh, before we say goodbye here? I think the biggest thing is no matter what is going on in your life and how challenging, how it, it, there is no obstacle too big for God. Mm-hmm. And I have to constantly remind myself of that, you know? just last week. Yeah. But then I see him do supernatural, amazing things. So just never lose faith. Oh, that's, that is definitely great. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing a little bit of your story with us. I appreciate it. I really admire your work to get out and do something about a really big problem in, in our culture. And, uh, I, I admire people who are willing to get out and do and create something new to address problems instead of just uh, complaining about them. Cause it, yeah. That's what it takes to make change. 
Thank you. Well, I appreciate you, Eric, and I appreciate what you do on your podcast and just the encouragement you bring to people. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it.